You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast. I'm your host Greg E. Hill, the Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for every single person over the last few weeks, over the last few months, over the last few years. You've been showing out and showing love, subscribing to the channel, sharing with your friends, commenting, and leaving messages. I know I always start the podcast off like that, but I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Y'all supported me during trying times. Y'all supported me during great times. Y'all supported me on the road. Yep, we're going back on the road pretty soon. But I ain't gonna drop no details on that to 2019. But y'all just been a blessing. And I'm I'm just honored that y'all continue to reach out, connect, and grow. And I'm gonna have an ask though. I need I need continued support. We need to blow this podcast up to the next level. Like we almost at a million downloads. Like we're running towards it fast, but I know we can do better. We can, we can share with more people. We can share what's going on. So please continue to spread the light. We got some new products, some new some services coming out. I need your support on it. I'm asking for it. I need your support on it. I need you backing me down and holding it, hold, holding it down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a, a lot of great stuff coming up. And I got two housekeeping things. And then we're going to jump right into the show. And I'm telling you, this show today, it's a funny show. Like I crack myself up when I listen to it. So I know y'all gonna enjoy it. This young lady that's doing some phenomenal stuff in the entrepreneurship space and holding down for the black culture. And she's very opinionated as well. So I know you're gonna love this show. But my first housekeeping thing is Trailblazers University is coming soon. It is going to be a membership site where we give you weekly content for the Trailblazers to inspire, empower, and to just motivate us and give us, most importantly, the tools in order to take our life and our business to the next level. And when I say weekly content, I'm not talking about a a blog or a video. I'm talking about behind-the-scenes interviews with some of today's leading Trailblazers. Like We go more in-depth than what we do on the podcast. In the podcast, I got to share you the stories. I got to give you all that good stuff. But on this, we're going we're gonna to touch on the story, but we're going to get knee deep in the nitty gritty on how they did it, what were the pitfalls, and go step by step for those that are interested in knowing more. Also, we'll have some live Q&As. We're going to have uh, member makeovers. We're going to do a lot of great stuff on Trailblazer University. And most importantly, it's going to be a thriving community of like-minded individuals looking to continue changing the culture. So I'm going to definitely need your support on that. I'm going to let you know, first and foremost... The coming soon page is a work in progress. It's, it's, it's very elementary right now. It's going to be far more robust over the next couple of days, the next couple of weeks rather. But 
That doesn't mean anything. I I, I, I practice on putting stuff out rather than I, I, I practice on perfection. So definitely make sure you go check us out at trailblazersuniversity.com and sign up to receive an update when we launch. So there's nothing, no big information on the website. We just want to make sure we have a base to keep our emails and keep your ears to the streets. So when we launch, you will be the first one to know and we'll definitely get an introductory rate. So definitely make sure y'all support. Share the friend, share with a friend, man. We're going to be doing some crazy things at Trailblazers University. Number two, today's interview guest, she is running a special, special deal. So for anybody, and I ain't going to spill the beans on who the guest is. No, I got to. She is. She has a, a doll company, which produces dolls and content for, for African-Americans. And now it's really African-American young ladies. And it is a phenomenal. It's called Healthy Roots. And she's running a special until, the, I think, for the whole holiday season. So if you order a doll, you will get special product. I think it's Cantu, some Cantu special products for hair. And it, it, it's for every single order that's ordered within the next couple months. So make sure y'all go check it out. After you listen to an interview, go blow it up. So if you have a daughter or you know somebody have a daughter, you need to get yourself a dog, like straight up. And, and we're going to give more context on the podcast, my man. It's a phenomenal brand, up and coming. And definitely let's support each other, all right? So I'm done rapping. I'm done talking. I appreciate your support and love so much. Let's keep that same energy. And I pray that you enjoy the show. Side note, if this show goes out on Friday, don't kill me. And as always, I got a show for you today. I can't believe we've been on a quite a bit of a run over the last couple of weeks interviewing uh, young and to keep, I feel like it's keeps getting younger, young, successful black women. They're doing some good things, but also real about their story. And I'm excited to have our, our guests on the shows because even like, after I invited on, I got a chance to look at a blog, read a couple posts, uh, go through a website and just look at past interviews and the TED talks. And I'm like, yo, she's very, a very interesting person. So I, I, I was like <laughs> even more excited to have on the show. I mean, <laughs> it's, <laughs> And then being in the Midwest, I still don't understand why she's in Cincinnati, Ohio, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, come from New York, like, why Cincinnati, Ohio to do a startup? I mean, there's so many unanswered questions. Uh, but I'm excited to have her on the show and to share her journey, kind of where she's at, but also some of the lessons she's learned. Because what I have realized that regardless of age or amount of time people have in business, there's always something you can learn from and grow from. So I'm excited to kind of uh, talk to her about some of the great things that she's accomplished, but also some of the challenges. So I'm going to read a snippet of her bio and then we just going to jump right into it. So she never had a doll that looked like her growing up. The one time her parents gave her a black doll, she burst into tears because it wasn't a pretty one. Since then, she has made it her goal to make sure that no other children feels a way about their appearance growing up. While in her junior year studying an illustration at the Rhode Island School of Design, she redesigned the fairy tale character Rapunzel as a brown girl with beautiful kinky hair. That kinky word is always, I don't, you gotta define that kinky word. That's so, that's so funny to me. After speaking with classmates and friends, she saw the opportunity to address the demonstrated need for more diverse toys and representation in children's publishing. And with a grant from the Brown University Social Innovation Fellowship, support from the RISD E-SHIP Program, Mass Challenge Accelerator Program, and 674 dedicated Kickstarter backers, Healthy Roots was born. She has gone from not knowing how to do her own hair at the age of 21 to teaching young girls all about their own. 
And since starting Healthy Roots in 2015, she has graduated RISD with a BFA in illustration and a concentration in gender, race, and sexuality. She is most recently recognized on Essence's 2017 50 Founders to Watch list. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Yalitza Jean Charles to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, thank you for, for listening to me as I struggle through the intro. Like I'm, t- I'm glad that we're here and I'm glad that you made time at 2 p.m. to be on the show. It's uh, It wasn't a big thing. I work from home, so <laughs> <laughs> this gotta, is what I block my days out for. Got you, got you, got you. So, dang, I forgot to tell you, we always usually start the show off with a quote or a mantra that our that our guest lives by, and then they share with us a story about how they acquire that quote and their mantra to their everyday life. So is there a specific quote or a mantra that you kind of live by um, that you can kind of share with the audience? So... I think my quote or mantra that I've pretty much been living my life by is don't say no before you can say yes. And mm. yeah, <laughs> I say it a lot. So people are probably tired of hearing me say this. But the reason why I say that is because that's how I started Healthy Roots. Um, in my sophomore year, before I even got to my junior year where I started working on the project, my, I had a, my best friend who was a senior at the time. We were talking about our ambitions and our goals and like how do we achieve these things. And she told me that there's three steps to doing anything she wants to do. She figures out how to do it. She does. So she figures. She figures out what she one. She figures out what she wants to do. Two. She figures out how to do it. And then three. She does it. And so for me, I took mm. that a step further by stop, like no longer allowing myself to answer questions I didn't have answers to yet. I was going to send that email even if I didn't know if I fit the program necessarily or if they would respond. I was going to walk up to people and ask them questions. I was going to say not not deny myself opportunities because I thought it wasn't going to work out. I was going to keep doing things until the world showed me, all right, this isn't working. So yeah, don't say no before you can say yes. Pursue opportunities until you can't pursue them anymore. Man, that's that's a gem on, on here. I've never heard that out of the 80 plus episodes, 90 going on 90. I've never heard that quote. So, yo, you own that. Put a stake in that thing is yours. <laughs> I mean, I think I'll give credit to my friend. I think she pioneered it. <laughs> so with that being said, what's the, what's the last question you because I know you mentioned briefly you ask you sometimes you ask questions regardless. Like, what's the last question you ask somebody? Um, What was the last question I asked someone? Like a mentor? Yeah, in regard, yeah, in regard, like that's that's a broad question. In regards to like something that most people typically would would think, because that's I think that's the critical thing you said. Some people think they know the answer without even asking. So when oh, here's a better question: a situation where primarily, if you look online, you see something you you think you know the answer, but you said no, I'm gonna ask anyways, and I'm gonna see what's going on. So I would say that um, for me, the most of the situations where I don't say no before I can say yes is when I'm looking for an opportunity or like to work with someone. Um, and I think the reason why I use that phrase a lot is because a lot of us have like, what's it called? Imposter syndrome, or we just assume that nobody would be interested in working with us or we have so much doubt. So the last situation that I would say that I did this was at the Blavity um t- summit 21 conference where Mm -hmm. I was like meeting all these really influential people in the hair space. And I was like, Oh no, they're famous. They're really successful. They're not going to work, want to work with me. But I walked up to them with my doll anyways, told them about my work. And they were like, Oh yeah, we just read about you on the internet. And I was like, Oh cool. Do you want to do something together? And they're like, yeah, here's my contact information. And then I practiced that again, sent the email. 
and now we're talking. So I think that's the last situation that that applies to. Mm. So side note, since since we're since we're already here, what did you? Is there anything that you grabbed, or what is the main thing you took away from um, the Blavity conference that you just did it? Honestly, a lot of people ask me. Um, a lot of people that I know in my life ask me about like, what do you do when you go to these conferences? And at this point, and where I am with Healthy Roots, it's more of a reconnecting with people in the space. So like people who I've met online and have only had conversations on the phone with, or, you know, I've seen working in a similar space somewhere else or has collaborated with someone else. It was an opportunity to be like, Hey, I actually get to meet you in person and have a conversation with you and the, the like, ha- ma- like make a concrete connection and understand the person behind the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say that was the biggest gain and takeaway from the Blavity Conference for me. Also, just generally being around beautiful black women. I definitely spent a lot of money because it <laughs> was looking so good. I was like, where did you buy that? Where did you buy that? What's that bundle? What color does it come in? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Uh, nah, I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's usually because usually I have a, a, a preordained kind of script like we go to the, the, the past and the present, and the future. But I've been trying a little bit, a couple things a little differently this uh this season, just try to jump in where, where we're at. So if you could just jump into what is Healthy Roots for anybody that's listening to the podcast. We have a lot of listeners and say if they've never heard of Healthy Roots, if you can kind of explain what Healthy Roots is, then also take us through the journey on how was it even started? Oh my goodness. So yeah, I'm Yelitsa Jean Charles and I am the CEO and founder of Healthy Roots Dolls, a toy company that creates products that empower children during the early stages of identity development. And our first products that we've created do that with hair play. So I started Healthy Roots in college, like you said, mm-hmm. um, because I I was like I was this artist. I was doing a lot of activism, and I went to I went to the Rhode Island School of Design because I recognized that art has an impact to inform and educate our society, mm-hmm. and I wanted to use that skill set actively. Like my parents are Haitian immigrants, they did not want me to go to art school, and so the only reason I was even allowed to go was because it was a good art school. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be successful. Uh-huh. Um, so my freshman to sophomore year, I was learning a lot about race and gender and was actually able to find the words to define the experiences that I'd been having since I was a kid. So like I finally understood and could put into words why I was so uncomfortable when kids in high school would question my PSAT score as if I wasn't supposed to be intelligent or why other kids in college would look at me and be like, I don't want someone to just get in because of their race. And so I like I learned I learned the dialogue around race and the dynamics in our society. And I was really involved in the Black Lives Matter movement and bringing demonstrations to my campus and organizing with our community. But I wanted to take it a step further and bring it back into my work, um, the work that I was doing in terms of creating dialogue and talking about our society and the stigmas that we place on people of color and and other oppressed people. And I did that through my art. So I was making art about being a black woman. The first Mm -hmm. series of work that I really created was uh, with black women being fused with like trees and flowers and with beautiful natural hair and features that we really didn't see celebrated as beautiful. But then in my junior year, I was getting into hair a lot Mm -hmm. because one of my friends had like cut off all her hair. The big chop. the big chop. And to me, like from the family that I came from and just knowing like in the African-American community, that was wild. Like you don't just be cutting off all your hair. Like, <laughs> nah, so, cause usually it happens like the breakups or bad relationships. Like somebody cut off the hair, you're thinking like, what in the world? Are you, are you okay, sister? 
Honestly, and it's like she had beautiful hair. And she's like, well, you know, I did it because I wanted. I don't. I don't know what my natural hair looks like, and I just didn't want to deal with chemicals anymore. And I was like, hmm, that is really interesting. And and I didn't. I've never had a perm, but I always had Dominican blowouts. And I was like, what? I don't know what my hair looks like. That's crazy. So I too also went natural, mm-hmm. and that's when I started. I, I went into that class. And I turned Rapunzel into that little brown girl with kinky curly hair. And then I had a conversation with my peers and realizing that that so many of us have had similar experiences around the color of our skin and the texture of our hair and not feeling beautiful because of it. And also not seeing, you know, either on TV or in the toys that we played with people that looked like us and represented us. And that's when I went even further. Um, I applied for that fellowship, but in order to get into the program, I had to do a research paper. Mm -hmm. And that's when I learned all about a lot of the racism in our country, like at our foundation. So like the paper bag test, colorism in general, the social hierarchies that have been created in the African-American community where people with lighter skin are treated better than people with darker skin. Um, And all these, the conversations about perms, like where perms came from and why people associated having straighter hair and lighter skin and certain features with power and being more beautiful. And I wanted to bring all of that together into a product to address it. And I learned one of the things that I found out about when I was researching about the history of racism in this country was the Mammy Clark doll test. Mm. Are you familiar with this test? Yeah, I'm familiar, but break it down for our audience. So the Mammy Clark doll test was used in the Brown versus Board of Education trial, and it was used to prove racial bias in children. What they did was they put a white baby doll and a black baby doll in front of both black and white children, and they asked them to ascribe either negative or positive attributes to either doll. So which one is the good one? Which one is the bad one? Which one is the pretty one? Which one is the ugly one? Mm -hmm. Both white and black children said that the white doll was good, pretty, and smart, and that the black (laughs) one was ugly and bad and, like, evil. And they do this. Yeah, I know it's really evil. Yeah, no, I, I threw that one in there. Okay, I was like, "Good God, these kids wilding." I'm just being extra. <laughs> um, but they do this test like every couple of years, and I one of the studies they did in 2012 with CNN, and they found very similar results. And then I started to look into toys because we all play with toys, all of us. Um, it's one of the social teaching tools that we use for children, and looking at the significance that dolls have. And I was like, "What if I use dolls to combat these?" social issues of like colorism and internalized racism what if i use dolls to help kids learn to love themselves and that's how i came up with healthy roots our first doll zoe which is a doll that has kinky curly hair that kids can play with and style just like their own so that you're getting that representation but you're also learning how to do your hair which is one of the biggest things for me because chemicals are so dangerous and we put them on kids as young as like four years old and there's like absolutely no reason for that when we have so many other options. And I really want to show kids like you don't have to wear your hair a certain way. Here are all the options that you have. If you want to perm your hair, cool. If you want to straighten it, cool. But you should at least know that you can also just wear it how you want to wear it. And it's, so it's actually real hair. It's not real hair. <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like, whoa. So they're really gonna be like in the shower, like just like putting water on it and different products, products. But they can really. Yeah, but you can definitely- you can get in there. And so the other thing that we did is we created a book because, you know, we see all the YouTubers and, you know, there's all this information out there for the grownups, but what about the kids to help them learn? So we have this book that teaches natural hair care step by step, like that science, like the porosity, your hair texture, how to protective style, what are the best oils, jojoba oil versus avocado oil versus other oils. And the, like, so because 
I there's so much science that I had to learn over time. I can't imagine a kid trying to find out information on the internet. And we really wanted to create an experience where kids and moms could collaborate together, like reading the book and playing with the doll. Man, so there's a lot of things to unpack from that. The first being, you had this idea. How did you go? What was the first step you made from having this idea outside of when you got the fellowship? to actually creating a doll like that's that's huge i I don't think i don't know if you can just go and type online create dolls and it just pop up you just pay your money and this comes back like how was the whole design process well i'm very fortunate to have gone to a design school that's pretty much directly connected to hasbro (laughs) oh wow (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of my mentors came from over there and a lot of my friends had the skill set so i would physically sculpt the product and then i had a 3d designer you know, put it on, put it on the computer and render it and have that sent to the manufacturer. And I had people who worked at Hasbro have experience in the industry, help me find a manufacturer. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. And when, and what year did you start this company? Uh, 2015. 2015. So it's been three years in the making. So, so thus far, do you, how many dolls do you have and how has it kind of evolved or a, a broader question that you can kind of put some meat on how, how has it evolved and how have you evolved since then, since it first started? Whew, I have learned a lot. Um, <laughs> I I didn't, I never saw it going the way that it has. I never saw myself as like, yeah, I'm going to be CEO of a toy company one day. <laughs> Definitely did not see that coming. Um, I've, I've been doing it because the world has allowed me to do it and people have continued to support me. So I went from, you know, just this one girl with an idea, built a small team, got into an accelerator program launched a really successful Kickstarter campaign with the support of family, friends, and online community, and then going through two years of research and development to execute on the product from ideation to prototyping to final product with beautiful packaging to delivery. And since then, I've won the CVC Award from Venture for America, done a TEDx talk. I'm part of the Backstage Capital Portfolio. Um, I just won $100,000 in marketing services from the Startup Stampede in Durham, North Carolina, and things are looking really bright for us. And I've learned a lot. I went from just being so a girl that drew pretty pictures. I'm still very good at drawing beautiful pictures. If anybody, no, wants, I've seen them. things is beautiful. I was like, good God, like this is some, some <laughs> deep stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, I wish I could draw more. When you become, when you run a company, you don't get to draw pictures anymore. You just sit in meetings and send emails, and you know, get on podcast interviews. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've learned a lot about business. I've learned a lot about toy manufacturing. I've learned a lot about the startup and entrepreneurship scene. Um, And I've learned to navigate it all while being a black woman, which is super fun. Nah, I bet. I bet. So there's a couple of things I want to break down from what you just said. First, you said there was a two-year process of research and design. Can you speak to the importance of having that length of time to really research and whatnot? Because we do live in a society for a majority of entrepreneurs, we look online. And it's like, okay, you start tomorrow, you do this. And it's like three months, you have this and six months, you have this. And you took, it seems like you say two years to really get this product ready to make sure it's straight. So walk us through why that's important. And two, what in the world did you do for those two years? So two years, I'm a, I'm an artist, so I'm mm-hmm. a little bit of perfectionist. And um, one of the things that RISD taught me was, especially in the wood shop, you measure twice so you can cut once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, the thing people don't realize is like creating a product is really time consuming, really hard and it's really expensive. And so I actually, I talked about this in an essence interview is like, don't let people rush your process Mm -hmm. because if people rush you 
and you approve something before it's actually, and, and you don't verify and you don't double check and you don't make sure that it's on the up and up, you, you're not going to have the right product and you're going to waste thousands of dollars. That's the other thing is like, people will hit me up like, Oh, can you do this with the products? Like, no, I actually can't because that would cost $50,000. Please get out of my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how, you don't know how money works. <laughs> So that's the one of the main reasons why it took two years. Also, just working with manufacturers and around holidays and, you know, managing your mental health. There, there are like some low points where you really you feel really challenged and you go through bouts of depression or you and like having family support is really important to make sure that you get through that process. Because having a physical product company is different than having a tech company. Mm-hmm. It's way different. I can I, I can only imagine tech company. Once you got the software, you make iterations, but you can put it out. But product, it's a this deformity. Like I can only imagine some stuff you had to probably deal with when you your first. Like how long? How many? How many products did you have to have actually like inspect, look through until you got to the final version? They sent me at least four dolls. Four. They sent me four versions, and the and then the thing is like even even when you do approve the final version and even if you are happy with it there's still going to be errors in production because of just like the scale and like you know managing product control and so then that's why it's so important to have like really great customers who give you the feedback and you know you fix things Mm, that's that's real that's real that's real and i know you mentioned a kickstarter which was wildly successful i looked at it like did you go did you take a kick uh, did you take a kickstarter course or anything of that nature or was it just purely all support from families and friends and then some other no. so i can tell you right now i've seen the list of people who supported my kickstarter i'm gonna tell you it's like only 10 people i know <laughs> oh, wow. that's how it always that's how it always be right <laughs> i mean which is not bad i think one of my biggest pet peeves within the startup like the entrepreneurship community especially people with physical products is like i made the have you seen that meme where it's like beyonce puts out clothing you buy beyonce's clothing kanye puts out sneakers you buy kanye sneakers your friend starts a company and you don't even phys- support them with your money it's like well first of all you don't you're not making anything that i want so i don't know why i would buy your (laughs) like my friends are all in their early 20s nobody has kids why would i expect them to buy my dolls like Mm -hmm. that's just unreasonable i feel now i'm thinking about it's like hold up if i don't have i'm not playing with a doll so it's outside of like general support i get you i get you that makes sense (laughs) like i would never and so i would never force my friends to like buy a doll but if you're one of my friends and you a black mama with a black baby and you don't buy my doll and it's christmas i'm i'm a side eye you i'm like all right word got it um but so we were pretty successful and it was because like I was really active on social media on my own platform from, I, I didn't use the internet from before I got to college pretty much. Um, and then I, <laughs> I know it's weird. I used the internet to do homework and that was it. I didn't have my space. I didn't do <laughs> but any you of seem that. like the ultra, like reading your stuff now, you would, you would think you were born on Twitter. Like you were born in the like creative space. Like this I is you, know. <laughs> you know, being a black woman in this, this decade is, you know, is different. I so I learned how to do social media like through my freshman year to senior year of college and I every Facebook friend I had was somebody I knew and somebody I had conversations with and that had like actively engaged in conversations on my on my Facebook on my platform or my Tumblr. And so that's why I was it was really easy for me to generate a following and support for the Kickstarter campaign. We had over like 12,000 shares. Um, we had organic articles written about us. I made connections with bloggers and 
it was it was just all organic because I made real true connections with people. Some a lot of people come up to me and be like, "Hey, how did you do this with your Kickstarter? We're start we're launching ours next month." And I was like, "Don't launch it next month. You don't got it. It's not gonna pop. That's not how that works. Mm. You gotta you have to build the following, and you have to know where your money's coming from before you even launch because you have to make most of your money in the first twenty four hours. Like that's most Kickstarters fail if they don't make the money most of their money in the twenty four hours that they launch. Why is that? It's just the way the algorithms work or it's not an algorithm thing. It's just about the um I couldn't tell you exactly what it is, but it's just about the reach and like how much social capital and like outreach you have for your for your campaign. Because if you're not generating a lot of buzz and money on the first day, the odds of it continuing to build up is not like <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start with that super high super punch so that it like continues to ramp up. Yeah, nah, you hit on the head. And I, I do want to ask a question, too, because you're pretty young. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2016. So you graduated in 2016, and now you had the the added pressure and probably the stress of running a full company, a product-based company, doing all this stuff. How do you balance, not balance, I don't, I hate that word. How do you, how do you operate within the scope of growing as a person, but also growing your business? Because a lot of times I've seen it where, a lot, some some and I, I've had it where I, I kind of let my business growth kind of be my personal growth and that's a bad way to happen because if the business goes down then you just in shambles and it's like oh whoa it's me so how how is it as a young black woman continuing to grow your business but also too having the mental space to continue growing yourself um I don't know I guess I'm still figuring that out I'm actually looking at my yoga mat right now <laughs> I like, um I think I've just, I'm very selective with my energy and I've built really great friendships and a support network so that I can reach out to people when I do need help. And I'm just very fortunate that like my parents raised me to be incredibly confident and self-sufficient. So I, I value myself more than I like will allow people to disrespect me or you abuse my energy and my time. And it's something that I'm really trying to teach a lot of my peers is like, don't text that person. Do not accept that phone call. Go home, take a, take a nap. Like, do not let our society that tells you you have to constantly be working and burning into the, you know, 3 a.m. Like, that's not that's not living. Because I, I was in art school. I don't know if you know anything about RISD, but people have compared it to, like, it's like the equivalent of MIT before the art world. Oh, wow. And I, I had burnout. And, like, when I graduated, I was like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to allow other people to stress me out. I, I'm not going to take on projects that I, and I'm going to be honest about turnaround times. It's like, no, I can't do that in 24 hours because I'm not going to stay up all night doing that. And there should be nothing wrong with saying that you need to vocalize what is, how you value yourself and not let people abuse it. And that's something that I've held very strong. Man, that's, that's, that's great. With that being said, how did, how in the world you end up in Ohio? <laughs> from New York and you're in the art scene because and and two another one I guess you kind of explained it by by because I knew when I looked at the program I could tell by the website by the portfolio this wasn't like a, a run-of-the-mill art school I knew it was up there but two it's it's crazy you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast an art school that had such a, a I didn't know you can even major in um, sexuality and gender in an art school like I didn't know they had that major I thought they're just majoring art stuff so um, that's 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 curious. <laughs> we have to read books too in art school you know they make us take literature and you know English one oh one. 
that's the yeah, you you went to the deep art school. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so how did you end up in Ohio? Like how? So because where you are you from? You from New York, right? Or where are you from? I, so I was born in Canada. I grew up in New York, and then I lived in Delaware, and then I went to the Rhode Island School of Design. Got you, got you, got you. So what? So what led you to the Midwest? So I was accepted to the Venture for America program in 2016, and it's a curated placement program for startup and entrepreneurship oriented oriented graduates where they train you and then you get placed in a city based on whichever company's offer that you accept and you work at a startup for two years. Got you. And did you yeah. end up working at a startup for two years? I ended up working at startups for one year. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for one year. <laughs> I worked at two different tech startups as a graphic designer and then I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Because how, how was it? Because you know, and that was while you were still developing uh, your 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 pro your your product, right? Yeah. Mm. So how I was wa- still working on Healthy Roots. Yeah, that's that's a lot going on. So right now, do you do Healthy Roots full time? I do Healthy Roots full time, and I still do contract graphic design work. Okay, I got you. I got you. That makes that makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I think a lot of people see entrepreneurs like, oh, you're you're working on your company twenty four hours. Like, no, people still pay bills. Relax. I I graduated from school two years ago. Loans are real. Yeah, loans are real. And two, and I had to think about it myself because I, I I speak full time and it's been able to be be great for me. But one of my challenges is that the time aspect. I realized that when I was working as a financial analyst and then speaking, it was cool. I had. I just had the right amount of like time versus other stuff. But now working full time, I could still have all bills paid, et cetera, but it still be like hella time. I'm like, yo, so I'm filling time with doing stuff. So I tell everybody who wants to jump out and quit jobs and start being an entrepreneur. I said, bro, you, be, you need to realize how you're going, how you're going to manage 40 hours a week. Because yeah. if not, you're just going to be bored. <laughs> like what you going to do? Like it's just, especially before you before your stuff starts selling. Then what you going to do? It ain't like everybody blowing up your phone and you want to do all this other stuff. So I, I guess it's about that intentionality. Um, and with that being said, though, how would you describe your creative process? I mean, I haven't <laughs> I haven't really been creative in so long. I will say that I peak at 10 p.m. <laughs> you peak at 10 p.m.? That's Yes. 10 p.m. is when I'm like, all right, let's get this tablet. Let's open up Photoshop. Let's just get to sketch. What? Uh, I don't know why it's the RISD in me. It's because most of my work would always get done at night in college. But at 10 p.m., that's when I'd be flowing. <laughs> and you said something deep. You said you're not creative anymore. So how, how could you say that? Because you have this you have this product company. You, you're probably always thinking about designs and marketing campaigns for how to get more exposure with it. Why would you say that you're not necessarily creative as much anymore? Because for me, my creativity is like pencil to paper, mm-hmm. like someone sitting in front of me, me doing a charcoal portrait. Like that's, that's the creativity I miss. Like, I, yeah, I can go on Photoshop, slap a graphic together, post it on the Instagram, but touching graphite on a regular basis, like moleskin notebooks, I miss that. Hmm. So you can't just incorporate that into your, your rhythm or your daily habits or is it? Is um, it's, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to enjoy art the way that I used to, you know, and with fundraising, managing my team, doing contract work. It's a lot. Hmm. And, and, and outside of your mentors, like what has prepared you? I guess just going through it because I mean, like you, you had, you went to art school. I don't, I don't necessarily say, see that you had a, 
a big business background and you're doing contract work, managing a team, like has it been books or just mentors? Like what has helped you the most as far as making this full turn into a CEO? So I went to art school, but I took entrepreneurship classes at Brown University. I was also in the Brown University Social Innovation Fellowship, which taught us a lot about managing businesses, building out our business models and gave us access to mentors. I was also in the Mass Child Accelerator program, which is... What were you not in? Goodness gracious. I know. It's funny, right? <laughs> so that program was like, it's an accelerator program. They teach you all about managing your startup. They have, you know, workshops on finance, you know, being a CEO, being a founder, um, angel investing, um, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I've done, I did RISD eShip. I did the B-Lab program. Um, I did VFA. They have programs as well. <laughs> and I have Backstage Capital, which, you know, they have all these advisors and mentors. I have my own mentors. <laughs> I, did, I did Startup Stampede Accelerator. I'm going to another accelerator. <laughs> um, I would say, I, I, I would say I've, I've learned how to ask the right questions and figure out who can help me and sourcing them out. Also just being reading and, you know, knowing how to Google has been really helpful. A lot of my <laughs> peers have talked about how like they work at these companies and people will think they're so smart, but it's like, they just Googled things. Apparently people don't know how to use Google. <laughs> Man, that, that is a, uh, that is funny. That is funny. And has it, and speaking of backstage capital, et cetera, has it been hard initially? Was it hard to really get get a lot of funding and a lot of background like how has that process been because i know you you talked about it i see sometimes you may be vent on twitter and i've seen some certain things like two 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 spectrums of interviewing right there's people that i know that i'm in the same space with and I, i've seen before which i kind of already know where I, how and shape the interview so i really don't need to do any background i don't even write down questions but then there are certain individuals where say if i i, I don't necessarily know them and and i've never done an interview with people in that sector before then i say i'll kind of go into the research mode so i just look at everything so that i can kind of try to ask questions in a way that maybe they've never like especially if i'm interviewing somebody that has done a lot of stuff but i was like no nah, let me do some research so i can have some context before i All go right. um fundraising is hard um, I'm in the process of fundraising now. And when you have a physical product company and you're a solo founder, you really have to de-risk your company for investors who might be interested. Mm. So how do you de-risk? So you have to, I mean, it's hard to de-risk a product though, right? That's a challenge. That's where the challenge comes from. Yeah. But it's like, you have to show them, they really want to know that you know what you're doing and you have a vision and you like, have a plan. So they want to see what's your marketing plan? What are your sales projections? How do you know this is going to work? Um, who, who are you intending on hiring? How do we know that your team has the skills? Like, how, what, did, what are your contingency plans with manufacturing if something goes wrong? That kind of stuff. They want to, you don't have to have all the answers, but they need to know that you can get the answers and that you're capable of figuring it out as well. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and from the future, like, so let's, let's transition real quick to from the future phase, what do, where do you see it kind of going? And what's your vision for the next couple of years with it? Um, my vision is to be Oprah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so my vision is, our company mission is to create products and that create the opportunity for children to define their own stories. I'm really just out here trying to make sure that kids can tell their own stories and we're not putting children in boxes of like, you need to look like this and you need to look like this. And this is how you can, this is what it means to be smart. This is what it means to be beautiful. I just want to create products for the girls who've never seen themselves, you know, 
different skin tones, different facial features, different hair textures. And it's so much more than just a toy company. We're not just making dolls. We're creating experiences for children around self-love and empowerment. And we're doing that with a doll, but we plan to have so many other products in our line that do that as well. It's a, we're doing, we're building a lifestyle brand and pretty much just being what American girl should have been, but for all girls. Mm, I love that. And I, I definitely can see, can see where it's can see where it's going and i can kind of envision i'm glad i got you on the podcast early so when you get big time you don't forget about the kids and stuff like that man so <laughs> i love you're already big time like we all i, I, I like i like working or, or or thinking in the sense of you're already big time making moves instead of like i'm, I'm looking to get somewhere because half the time when you're looking to get somewhere you kind of never find that um with that being said though how do you balance like between social media praise and press and support versus like support you need on an everyday basis. Like, cause a lot of times you online, I know I, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people that have been featuring a lot of different magazines, have a lot of support, but then it's like, what, what keeps you going on that day to day basis where it's not like you can look online. Oh, cool. People are thinking about people are, are liking my product. Like them day to day frustrations where a cause or funding doesn't come through or something slipping or somebody missed a deadline. Or you didn't like what keeps you pu- pushing forward and, 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 and balanced on those day to day basis. Um, I wish I had an answer. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer that's like inspiring. Like, hey, oh, you don't, yeah, you don't need to be inspiring. It don't need to be that deep. <laughs> um, things that keep me motivated, food. I like to cook a lot. I mean, self, I just practice. I do things that I enjoy and that keeps me positive. So whether that's listening to Beyonce, playing music, doing hair, doing hair is a big thing for me. It's one of the reasons why my hair changes a lot. Um, doing hair, like braiding hair, making wigs, um, cooking, just keeping myself entertained and positive. Mm. And it's crazy. On the, when I read the bio, it said you didn't know how to do your own hair until you were 21. And now you do hair all the time? Yeah, I do hair all the Oh, I'm the queen. People be texting me. I do people's hair. Like, I'm a kitchen beautician. <laughs> like, I be traveling so much, and my friends be like, when are you coming back? Because I need these box braids. And I was like, I do not have the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's great. You're truly a unicorn. You do hair. You make toys. Uh, you you graphic design. I whip shea butter. You know, if anybody wants some, hit me up. So, but you don't have it online. It's like one of the things you got to like DM people and, and get it. Yeah, you got to DM me. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, I met it to somebody the other day. They have a, a um, they got a uh, food truck. But you can only order like via Instagram DMs. You have to like send a coded message. And I'm like, I'm right in front of you. He's like, No, dude. no. That's the new. That's the new entrepreneurship. You don't understand why. Like I'm, I guess I'm. And they be making money too. They make mad money too. But 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 I'm like I'm right in front of you. I'm saying like yo, I want this. He's like no. Uh, hit hit me in the DM and here's the menu. You know I have the menus online. So maybe I'm I'm just getting old and out of context. I'm like 28. Like why am I feeling so removed? Like is that the new wave now? Uh yeah. I just respect, I don't, if people tell me to go fill out a form somewhere, I just do it because I know that I hate when people just be climbing way out of pocket. <laughs> like I have people who are like, my, like friends will come into my, my, my inbox on Facebook. Page. I just saw this really cute article. You should totally post it on our, on your Facebook page. I was like, well, I don't run healthy Roots Facebook page anymore. If you'd like something to be shared, please email it too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to have boundaries. It's about boundaries. That's what it really is. Yeah, nah, you've been, man, you've been, you've been, you've been sharing some crazy gems with somebody that graduated 2016. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like crazy, crazy gems. I mean, how else could I have gotten to where I've gotten to other than, you know, having clear 
expectations and guidelines for how I like to live my life. Mm. And do you think that's more so the way you're you raised or a mixture of the way you're raised and all the every program that you've done would seem like a, a billion of them, like or just books or like what, what would you say is the, the foundation of all that? Um, I've always been like this. So I would say it's more of a product of the way I'm, I'm raised and my personality type, because I, I firmly believe in understanding yourself in order to achieve goals. And I, I, it's, it's often really frustrating for me because I have so many peers who talk about wanting to do things and, you know, wanting to go somewhere. And I'm like, you literally have the capacity to make it happen. And you're not following through on like clear steps that you could be making. And I like really, like people always ask me, like, Lisa, how did you do this? And I was like, I sat down, I asked myself what I wanted to do, and then I figured out how to do it. <laughs> whether it was asking people for help, whether it was Googling, whether it was going on Facebook and, like, you know, publicly putting the information out there, I made it happen. Mm. That's simple. When do you, when do you write your next book? <laughs> Uh, are you are you gonna pay me for the forward? So, <laughs> you gonna give me that advance? <laughs> in due time, in due time, in due time. Are you and, and are y'all are you are y'all already currently working on other books for the platform? But that's in, that's in the that's in the future. We're working on things. Yes. Got you. Got you. Got you. <laughs> um, so we got this. We got this thing. We have a uh, rapid fire five questions we get them out there you give a rapid fire responses as you can you ready i can tell you right now my responses are not gonna be rapid fire but okay yeah you don't have to like that's all this is in a bit i mean one time i had this and it never it never happens like this but i'm telling you, you spent like 30 minutes on this rapid fire it was deep it got a little bit too deep for me i was like bro i, did, I asked you some simple questions why are you getting that deep but, i will try not to <laughs> what's the best piece of advice that you have never received never received yep Woo. Oh, snap. Tap into your uh, Oprah side. Uh, best piece of advice that I've never received. What do you, wait, what do you, what does that even mean? <laughs> so what like that, advice I had to learn over time on my own? Yeah, yeah. So basically you just given, given something that you, nobody ever told you. Like, dang, I wish, I'm, I wish Cash would have woke me up and told me this. Oh. Um, the importance of like, being in a shared space and how it can impact your health and provide knowledge and insight. Because I, I went to a, a, a portfolio school, like an art school, and you are constantly in studio with other people. And it took me like, it took me, I was going to say, Oh yeah, it took me all these years. Like, no, it took me two years <laughs> to realize that I benefited from being in a space where there's other people who can like see what I'm doing or like hear me talk out loud with a friend who might just walk over and be like, actually, you know, I tried this and it worked. I'm like, Oh, Okay, so having a the importance of like having a, a community so that you're not always just working at home. Mm. And do you do you but you work from home now, but how do you get your community out like do I go to a co-working space? Mhm. Gotcha. Um I just came home because I I didn't I didn't book a room, so I didn't want to just be sitting in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody walking by. <laughs> gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Uh if you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? If I could add one habit, it would be um, going to sleep early. And if I could take away one habit, it would be stress eating sugar, sugary foods. Donuts, yep. Yeah, what's your favorite donut though? Um, I hold, There's this place called Holtman Donuts in Cincinnati, and it has red velvet donuts with uh, cream cheese icing on it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Oh my God. 
The icing is so good though and so sweet that like I have to scrape half of it off. Nah, I love I need all the smoke. I need all the smoke. God sweet, sweet. Man, you make me want to go ahead after we get off this call, go to Krispy Kreme. Nah, I can't do that because I just I, I just I went to the beach and I saw the photos from the beach. I was like, bro, I just used uh, to be like I said I said no, I can't eat bread forever for a whole of the year. Like I can't see it. Like that DSLR exposed a lot of flaws. You um, gotta cut them sugar and them carbs. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite book and why? My favorite book. Is it behind me? Mm, I really like, okay, so this is going to be the art school nerd in me. I really like The Two Princesses of Amar, which mm. is a children's book. And it's about this, two, there's two princesses, and they're in this fantasy world. And one of them, there's like an illness that just like is wiping out the kingdom. And if you get sick, you, you can't be saved. Um, and one of the sisters falls ill, and she's like this really outgoing sister. But her sister, her other sister, who's like a bookworm in the in the castle at all times, has to venture out to slay this dragon in order to save her. And it's it's a beautiful story. It's like the reason why I like that book is because even though it's just, you know, there's no illustrations in it. It's just a novel. The way that the writer describes the world, you can just visualize it. And it's beautiful. Hmm. Oh, I would definitely keep that in the show notes. That sounds that sounds exciting. When did you read that book as a kid or as a grown adult? In middle school, so as a baby. Hmm. Gotcha. What is your biggest fear? Oh man, my biggest fear is not. So I'm afraid of spiders, but like my adult fear is um, not finding stability. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I and literally it- I tweeted about that because I was like, the only thing I've ever wanted in this world is stability, and I'm literally doing the most unstable thing. <laughs> Even though it's it's, uh, it's always conundrum, especially from outside looking in, because people, if you're an entrepreneur and say specifically if you get in these fellowships, right, and you get a lot of funding and people see, oh, 50,000, 100,000, what is she talking? Because they're going to listen to this podcast like she has a doll. She just got funding. What is she talking about stability? Can you break that myth down for people? Because I think some people, they see gaudy numbers of grants and fellowships and they just think that like that just go to your bank account. You can just chill and make it when you please is that's is that's not necessarily how it is right yeah that's not how it is <laughs> well f- the first thing i would say is that um when people people think money is more than it is i can tell you right now a hundred thousand dollars does nothing <laughs> like when those when those two guys who got arrested for being in starbucks won that lawsuit and only got like how much was it two hundred something thousand dollars mm-hmm I was arguing with people because they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to start a startup fund. And I was like, number one, that is not enough money for a startup fund. Number two, you didn't designate that startup fund for people of color. That is barely enough money to even be seed funding for one company. And it's not going to have nearly the amount of impact that you expect people have. I'm sorry this is an unrelated rant. I'm just really, fr- I, it's always frustrating to watch like squandered opportunities. Like you should ask for like a million, couple million dollars from Starbucks. Starbucks is a huge corporation. Anyways, back to the original story. Um, money doesn't do as much as people think it does. And then the mm. other thing is you don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from when you run your own company because you are the one creating the paycheck. You're the <laughs> one who's gonna, you know, like it's different when you are like at an, at a, at a, you have a job and someone else is signing off the checks, but when it's you, that is over your head. Um, and the other thing for me is like, for me, stability looks like my mama bills are paid. My daddy's bills are paid. I got their house. They're good. They don't have to work. I'm good. My kids are good. You know, levels, my stress is leveled. Like, 
my companies like there are no economic you know <laughs> things on the horizon our, our manufacturing is good we have the working capital um not having to worry mm, yeah wow that's a lot um and, and thank you for the idea unrelated rants i like that i think the think certain certain people i have on the show now I'm, I'm, and i'm always gonna give i'm always gonna give credit to you but i like that maybe have a unrelated rant segment i think that would be cool for, but everybody <laughs> no, because then people will be sharing their opinions and not everyone's opinions are good yeah that's what i'm saying i wouldn't do it for every every guest <laughs> because every guess. you have to have you have to build up a groundswell of good stuff like during the interview you've said then i'd be like okay cool you can do that but if it's yeah. like if it's been an interview i'm like yo I, I'm, I'm looking at the watch like i got this i gotta go ahead and get this get this off the grid then i'm mm. not i couldn't extend that invitation but i think you've you've built up enough good goodwill to to go on your unrelated rants um, thank you because <laughs> <laughs> really unrelated rants and, and are nah 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 see there and i'm about to, my show is predicted i'm a, i'm a, i am a host of unrelated rants so that's why i like it i can always affirm that uh if you were the president of the united states what is the first thing you would do uh next question <laughs> i'm not answering that reparations yeah. all right so we're done with the rapid fire <laughs> is that the last question no that was the last question no oh my God. no no that's not the last question of the podcast though okay yeah yeah i wouldn't let you end on that note like that not not that. even the reparations like, happening in our country i do not want the pressure of answering that question <laughs> so our last two questions are always pivotal um in our show and uh i, I say pro- pretty profound but before I get to the last, last question, the question before that is, if you had the opportunity, right, knowing what you know now, and you enter this house, and you go in the house, and there's this room, you open the door in the room, the room is like a red room, a uh, red room, and like the door is like pink or gray or something like that, and typically I don't add colors, but I guess since you're an artist, I just want to add, throw some random colors in there, I uh, <laughs> like, so you can tell I'm kind of spitballing that, but I don't know, and then the table's like brown, and then you are sitting beside yourself or in front of yourself at the table, but it's the... 15 year old you or you can you can debate between 15 to 20 year old you whichever one you choose and you and you can kind of share some things uh with that person or with yourself uh what would you share oh man i would probably talk about knowing your worth and that your time is the most valuable thing you have and not um giving it to people who aren't worth it Mm. something like that because i think like friendships and time, like relationships and time are really are things that I, I really have to have control over in my life. Um, because when I first moved here in, to Cincinnati, the Cincinnati VFA fellows were like, we're friends, right? We're friends. And I was like, you are an unverified white person. We are not friends yet. You need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> like, will you defend me? Like, I don't know. I don't know where I stand with you yet. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I definitely understood when I was in 15 to a certain extent, but really hitting that home um, to not just, you know, hang out with whoever. Cause you know, like be intentional about how you spend your time and who you spend your time with. Mm-hmm. That's something that we can all. And, and one last question in, 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 into that, in that same vein though, as you've gotten older though, how, how is it, how often do you reevaluate those? Is it a daily thing? Is it a yearly thing? Or is it a situational thing about reevaluating the way you're spending your time or reevaluating your current relationships? So just this morning, I took like an hour and a half mm-hmm. and I cleared up my Facebook. What do you mean you cleared it out? So I went from like 1,300 friends down to 1,000. 
and I went through every name and I was like, is this a professional contact I need? Is this a professional contact that I can just have on LinkedIn and not on Facebook? Is this an actual friend? Is this a supporter of Healthy Roots? And then creating Facebook lists of like, okay, these are, these are influencers that I know. These are young professionals I know. These are black people I know. And then these are like friends and family and like older people that I just don't want to see my regular content. And then after that, I had a conversation with myself. I was like, Yulita, this is what we're going to talk about on social media moving forward. We're going to take a detox, take a week off, and we'll come back, and this is going to be our tone. Wow. That's a... It's unfortunate because people are going to be listening to this podcast and now they're going to be checking your Facebook like, Am I, are we still friends? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, hold up, hold up. It's not like we're not friends anymore, but it's like, I think that um, Facebook is an incredible tool and I haven't been using it the way that I want to anymore. And like, I want to move forward with my Instagram, my Facebook and my Twitter with like being Yulita Jean Charles, CEO of a toy company, talking about black female empowerment and, you know, natural hair care and supporting young girls of color. And that's what I want to do moving forward instead of like, because I have all these different things that I talk about on a regular basis, but like realizing what is the one central thing that most people care about when I say, like when I talk about it. Mm, that's real. And so, but with that being said, where where would you have and I bro I don't know what the wave is I've been saying with that being said so much the last couple of days goodness gracious I don't know I don't know what video or what I watched golly but what what would you do say say because you know your 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 normal personality I don't know if that would change so your opinions and stuff you just say off the cuff would that be more so person when you see people in person or because i know you're still gonna have real you could say you i mean you can have real talk about those issues but it wouldn't necessarily be like an opinion right or just like just casual yeah so i think i'm it's i'm gonna i want to come because i in, in college when i talked about issues it was from like an articulate like educated backed up with articles perspective and i think that's what i'm gonna go back to because mm-hmm. now like i'd be like hot takes i'd be like this in the system of power is destructing the like, you know, like <laughs> off the cuff, just, you know, one off statements that are super hyperbole and like dramatic and like just going back to being like, I'm going to make an informed statement. And if you want to argue with me about it, I'm just going to hit you with links. Like, mm. And it's crazy now that you said that. And I know I'm belabored to point to the next question, but it's I, I think I'm on the same wavelength where I realized there was a couple of my friends outside my, my public figure page. Like on the regular pages that they used to, they get great traction on a lot of their posts. And I was like, yo, and it's in the post one that deep is some real posts. And I'm like, they only have like 800 friends. How are they getting this type of contract? Um, this, this type of, uh, this type of just, um, yeah, this type of attention on the, on some of these posts. And I was like, yo, I, I've been maxed out with friends because I used to throw parties back in the day as a promoter in, in college, maxed out with friends with years. And some posts do well, but certain posts is like cricket. But then I realized something what you just said. When you have people that are really your true friends, supporters and followers on your book, not just like random people that you had a conversation with or you tried to hook up with in college that you added on before, like because people don't realize before Instagram and Snap, whatever you the only people, the only time you saw people was on like Facebook. So that's how you found people. And I'm like, yo, I got all these people on Facebook. They're not really, they don't really rock with me. Like, they're cool, but they don't really know me like that. But this other person may have a couple hundred people, but they know him. So as far as when he needs support for new projects, insight, et cetera, I'm talking about is always support, always yeah. love. 
I think that's that's part of what was going on in my head when I was like going through my Facebook. It's like you haven't engaged in my with my content in forever. I've never seen you talk positively about healthy roots, and we don't really have conversations, so I don't need to be Facebook friends with you. Dang, that's I think that's man, and that's that's another gem right there. So wow. And then the last question, last question. Everybody that comes to this show is a culture change agent in their own right. I call them a culture change agent. They're doing what they can to do to change the culture wherever they're at. So if you could change one thing about society and most specifically our African-American culture. Uh, what, Don't ask me this question. Okay, go. What would it be and why? <laughs> you are so funny, man. Oh, no. Okay, so I would have to answer this question in three parts. Okay, take your time. One would be for African-American women, one would be for African-American men, and then one would be the diaspora in general. Okay. So I'm a Haitian-American immigrant. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I noticed when I got to school, and I've had, I've had this conversation individually with people as I've been traveling the country over the past couple months about how when I got to school, my school is only like two to 4% black, which means of the class of 400, there's like 10 black people. Wow. Wow. (laughs) we all know each other. Ten? You, I mean, you better ten. Ten. It was so few black people that when it was Black History Month, we put we would always do this post every year where it was like all um it was like a, a picture of the Black Power Ranger and it was like ten of the Black Power Rangers in one photo and we would tag each and every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's like only eight of us. Woo! So one of the things I noticed is like. But of those 10 um, black students on our college campus, the majority of them were not African-American. They were like from Africa, from the Caribbean, first generation Caribbean, first generation African. And we were like, why are there not more African-American black students at this school? And I think I've had this conversation with other immigrants. And it's like, I think that there's something that about the immigrant experience where like our parents are coming like with a fresh start to this country and they're only like in my in my culture we have the three l's it's called l'école l'église la caille and that means schoolhouse church and that's all you do and so our parents focus on us being in school and if that means that they have to live 12 people to a house and everyone and one aunt watches all the kids every day after like while the parents are at work that's just what's going to happen mm-hmm. like our parents made like these incredible sacrifices these they made these sacrifices for a long-term goal and i don't know i think one thing that i'd like to see in the african-american community is like how do we create that same closeness so that we can rely on each other to help each other achieve long-term goals because when i like when you go to these neighborhoods like is there someone that you can ask to fix your car for free because one of the biggest barriers is you know finances is there someone who will do your taxes for free is there someone who will watch your kids for free like if we are not willing to help and support each other on a large scale on a large scale to achieve long-term goals are we really a community Mm -hmm. wow hmm yeah that's real that ain't because that's i think that's one thing about immigrant communities is like we have people here in the united states who take immigrants coming in they don't charge them they let them stay in their houses and, you know, they help them, you know, set themselves up financially. I've seen arguments on Twitter uh, where people are talking about how, like, their parents kicked them out or told them that they had to pay rent 
It's like white people don't always do that to their kids. Look at the white boy who was like 30 years old who had to have his parents go to court to get him removed from their house. Man, that's yeah. I looked at that. And also, too, I was it's crazy. Um, a couple of years ago, I realized and I don't know if it was Hispanic culture or another culture, but. They don't. A lot of them. They were, I think it was Hispanic. A certain. I don't know. I forgot which culture. So I miss. I might be mis, misinterpreted this. But it's like, yo, they're not leaving their house until they get married. Like, yep. or it might be thirty, thirty-two. And imagine, I'm like, yo. And even though my situation wouldn't have matched up because I was doing, I was in corporate. But I was like, if I stayed, if I if I stacked bread for the first five years in my parents' house, I would be in a crazy. I would be in a whole different situation. Like, like a whole different. Imagine that. So. And, but all we, a, a lot of African Americans like yo eighteen you out that's how we feel or you pay rent <laughs> like my my mom calls me to this day like Yelitsa would you like to come home you know we could send you to nursing school you know you can always come home you don't have to be in Ohio like the <laughs> offer is always there uh, side note, I never got to ask I know because I know you're going, going to your second point you're going to your second point but uh, yeah how long do you plan on staying in Ohio do you, do you know or is it going to be like just up in the world. Um, I got an offer for, to be in an accelerator in Detroit. I don't know if I'm definitely going yet, but it's likely. I don't know. I'm definitely, I haven't been in Ohio for three months. So while all my stuff may be here, I don't necessarily live here. Let's just say that. Got you. And side note, Detroit is a very, I mean, it's, it's very cold up there, but it's an up and coming like energy. I heard a, a lot of good stuff is shaking out there. Small group. No, though. I've heard. I'm excited. Yeah, small. Hopefully things pan out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So your second point, I used to go to, that one was for African American men, or that was for the African American community. Okay, community. Okay, what's oh, the so next please, one? Um, I I don't know what I want to say to African American men. <laughs> um, I could say a lot of things. Oh <laughs> my God, what could I say? I don't want to talk about relationships, but I will talk about respect. And like, stop, stop calling women females, please. Just, I don't, I don't know why you do it. Can we just stop? Hmm. I think, what <laughs> I is, think I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but if you could say, cause I've said it a couple of times. I just, I, I never, what is the, cause you have your concentration and you probably know a lot more. If you could briefly break it down, what is a, what is the kind is it, what's the connotation of the female word? Imagine if I was having a conversation with you and I said, you know, I really wish these males would stop acting like this. These males need to start talking to me like this. These males need to do this. These males need to dress like this. You know what? I'm not even going to talk to these males no more. Do you see how awkward that sounds? <laughs> yeah. That sounds really bad. I'm going to talk to these males. No more. It's not like a species or something. Exactly. So when you refer to women as females, you are degrading them down to their like biological identifier which is not even as attributed to being human it could be anything a female what a female dog a female whale a female what is it who and like it's i was having a conversation with a a male friend of mine and i watched him because he knows he's not supposed to do that when he talks to me and he's like so yeah i was talking to this woman (laughs) <laughs> hey, is it really that hard is it really that hard 
<laughs> That's funny. Now, now I'm pissed because now I'm have to when I when I edit this contract, I'm a, I mean I edit the contract, edit this podcast. I'm be think I'm going through like, did I say female here? Did I say this? I'm, I'm be striking it out, making sure that it's, uh, it's not. I don't think you did, but I, I do think that that's one of my biggest pet peeves and like one commentary that I have for you know African American men on top of just general respect. I feel like they're definitely. Do you follow Derek Jackson on Instagram? Uh, no, 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 no I don't. I would definitely follow him. He has really great conversations about relationships. And I don't know if you followed what happened on Twitter recently with the the death of this recent rapper. Yeah, no, nah, that's a... Mm. Oh, no. I don't know if we should touch it. Yeah, that's... It's so many... And it, it, we could touch it. If not, I, I, I can... um. I can always... uh I, I, I edit stuff out. But yeah, that's a... I briefly... It's... His death has been such a hard thing to articulate because if you, it's just, I don't know what's your unfiltered thought. I can take this out the podcast, but, um, I know you, you, you probably have, have a, I don't know. Cause did you, did you, did you follow his music? No, I didn't follow his music because as soon as I'd ever heard of him, all I heard about was like the violent things that he had done to people. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was it for him, for me. But then, but when he passed away, I, I, I it, it was just hard for me to bear to hear to hear people. Certain people say he should have died, or I'm happy. I'm like, I know he, I know he did. I know he was, he was vile, heinous. I get it, but I don't know if I could ever wish that on death on somebody. I, I just don't know. So, if Donald Trump died, would you still feel that way about those people's comments if they were directed at him? I mean, I, I'll be honest, from my perspective, the way I believe, I still, I would not, I cannot condone somebody saying I wish he was dead. Like, I just, I, I, I'm glad. Thank you. I just can't. I, I think that's a, that's but, a. I'm not condoning it either. I'm not condoning it. My, my issue with the situation is it's really uncomfortable for me to watch the black men who regularly say that they support, you know, women and they, their allies also express so much empathy for black men who exhibited so much violence towards those very groups of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, that's where I'm struggling. It's like, yo man, this is so sad. He was only 20. You know, he had so much potential and I was like potential to do what hit more people. Like I'm so, I'm so confused. Why are we it's, it's the first, it's the frustration of watching people being so willing to invest in the potential of someone who has already exhibited negative behavior rather than listening to the experiences of the, of the people that they have violated that are still alive. Mm. Cause it's like when you, when you, and I tell this, this is going to be my advice to African-American women, which is don't invest in people's potential. Um, when you invest in that, when you are willing to invest and take a risk on that person's potential, what you're saying, what you're that in theory, what you're saying is that you're willing to risk, that they're going to continue to do harm, hmm. that there's the potential for them to continue to do harm because to you, it's worth it, even though you're not the one at risk. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a, it was kind of weird. It was, it was weird because now I feel like there needs to be another conversation that these, the, uh, some of the contemporaries that you probably have seen, like the J Cole, the Jadonna, yep. the Kanye West's, the Kendrick Lamar's, which have even before then, Especially even Kendrick, he get a pass. Kendrick shouted him out and showed him hella love uh, yep. beforehand, and it's like, I guess now from their sake, I mean, and I doubt they'll do it, but there the does need to be a dialogue about their thoughts and opinions. Like you, you do got to dig deeper, of course, because it, it I don't know. You man. have to stop looking past people's problematic behavior. 
like beating a woman so badly that she has to raise money to save her eye is not a mistake. Beating a gay man for looking at you and then smearing his blood on your face, that is not a mistake. Those are both intentional decisions. Yeah, nah, yeah. And so that's, yeah, that's where I stand. It's like, it's very frustrating to watch people support people who have made intentional decisions and exhibited behavior that defines themselves. But, you know, you, hey, he made good music. Nah. Yeah, which opens up the Pandora's box. And I, I, I think I'll probably, I don't know who I need to get on the show to kind of capture it as well. Because, I mean, I always hear so much stuff about we need to have a discussion about, I've been hearing this for the last five years about mental health in the black community. And I'm like, is, I feel like there's certain pockets of the world that are having this discussion, but I don't know if it, I don't know if a discussion is, okay, once you have a discussion, what happens? Like, because it just, mental health is in a weird space. I mean, probably just in humanity in, in general, but I think mental spells, mental health is specifically in this age now with the internet. And that's why I'm glad it all ties back. And I'm glad you have healthy roots and you are beginning to put positive images into younger people's hands. Because now, I mean, you look at some of these guys to, 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 to Nashi 69 and Lil Pump and all these other young people that are mega influencers, mega influencers. And, um, and the stuff that they're doing and whatnot. I mean, it's just, it, it seemed like a lot of cries for help on so many different levels. And it just, it does make me kind of fearful on, on the next generation and, um, and the stuff that you're going to have to overcome in regards to that. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I didn't know any of the rappers that you just named. <laughs> it's frustrating for me because, um, we honestly, like a lot of people in my generation are saying like, Oh, you know, we're going to save the world. Da, 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 da. I was like, are we? Because I don't think we're, are, I don't think as many people are learning as much as we think they are. Mm. I don't know. I don't think I don't think we have that many people who are on the right have the right perspective in life as we would like to think there are. And then all yeah, and to add to that, it's crazy. On my it's crazy how synergies and conversations work. On my last podcast, I just recorded like right before we got on, I made it and I, and it was on my own life and stuff I had to do inside to make make some changes that I always used to say I wanted to change the world. But then I looked at some of my friendships, some of my relationships, some of my relationships with people that are around me. I'm like, hold up. I ain't even changed them yet. Like, I, how am I saying I would change the world? I'm not changing some of the stuff that's right close. And then I think that's the problem. We always itching to change the world. But all if, if everything around us is in chaos or unsteady or we're not doing this right, then what does it mean if you change the world? Let's look at Exhibit A with the with the young man. I mean, his some of his songs were powerful. And they helped a lot of young young people. But if every everybody around him was suffering from that, then what did that truly mean? Yeah. And yeah. I, and in this society now where if you see online stuff, because the online stuff you put out in the social media and whatnot, a lot of that maybe not doesn't necessarily direct or affect people that's around you. So it can be seen like you're doing phenomenal, whatever. But then you be a horrible husband, a horrible son, a horrible wife. But it's like you get all these accolades, these likes and these likes keep you cool. But it's not so that, that I can go all the way left with that. But so can I. <laughs> it's um. It's just, but it's a weird space. I don't. I don't. I, I, and I and I and it's and I feel sad for the people that have to grow up in it because I think they got to make a lot of critical decisions about who they are more so than those and the the parents and the people of the past because in the past you just you you just had you could co- grow you could you, you could change like and like people don't have like a recorded history <laughs> like because of social media. 
Yeah, because guess what? Once you start change your tone online, there could be something to be like, yo, listen, she's not the same, man. She got she got a couple accelerator programs and did all this. And now she can't she doesn't make any candid statements. All she does is put out facts and whatnot. She deleted me off Facebook and it's like, hold up, I can't I can't grow, I can't change. All right, don't don't say exactly what I already did as if it's a bad thing. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> when I get when I get on my Beyonce Oprah stuff, I go back to making candid statements. Yeah, you know, <laughs> my name. Man, I love it. I love it. And I guess our last thing I know that you already probably hit on the diaspora comment. If it's if it's nothing uh, crazy, you don't have to say it. But I know you said um, you had something. I do want to give a, like, a little bit of advice to black women specifically. Okay. Um, so everybody needs to listen to black women. I feel like the election already showed that, but in the history of this world, <laughs> we run, run things. Okay. Um, and then my other thing is like, I just think, we're so incredibly resilient. And so when you hear no, that's not a no. That's a that's a not now. But best believe that when you are successful or something works out, do not accept that person's email when they try to come back and hit you up. Okay? Because black women be petty too. So make sure we stay on that. Mm. And that, that's crazy. I, I did. There was a specific question in the pot, and I didn't. And I think you already answered it. Is dealing with entrepreneurs and just humans in general, that those two letters in O have stopped so many dreams, so many relationships, so many businesses, so many uh, breakthroughs and educate so many breaks, just so much stuff. And it's just, I always admire and always uh, definitely ask our entrepreneurs. And I think you already answered it though on online. Like, how do you, cause it's hard to get, you can't get over the word. No, but their mindset and how you attack the word. No. So that, cause I know you've heard no plenty, plenty, plenty i just got an email right now where they're <laughs> like no not right now but keep us updated and it's like damn it's like yo what what more do i gotta do but but you're still smiling you're still going through and i guess like you said it's just taking it and and moving forward is that is that would you say that's how you deal with it or this i take it and i move forward and i keep a very detailed record in my mind of every person that said no just in case they try to hit me up later <laughs> i love it well, I, I just it, this has been like i'm, I'm telling you one of the more refreshing um episodes that i've that i've done over the last last year or so i mean i definitely i i, I love your vibe um and, and i love your, your 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 content and stuff like that and i can't wait to see what happens over the next couple years and as you continue to grow as a ceo grow as a person etc um and i know i know you can do phenomenal things not only just for the, the in the product space but for the culture as well so um i appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and from the minority trailblazer nation's heart for giving us over an hour of your time just to chat about a variety of different topics and give your opinions and and your pins and your facts and your you share some of the things that you uh you hold dear oh thank you for having me it's been an incredible honor and i hope that my story and the the dialogue that we've had is helpful for someone whether they're going through something or working on something I no doubt, no doubt. So, where can everybody find information about with keep keep up to date with what's going on with you, what's going on with uh, healthy healthy roots, and contact you, all that good stuff. Where can they find y'all at? So, you can order a doll or stay updated on our company at www.healthyrootsdolls.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Healthy Roots Dolls, on Instagram at Healthy Roots Dolls, and on Twitter at Roots Dolls. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Yulitsa or Instagram at Black Girl versus the World. And that's <laughs> VS, not 
V-E-R-S-U-S. I changed it because in, in college it was Black Girl at RISD because there were only like 10 of us and I was <laughs> the one that everyone knew. And then I was like, no, I've grown up. It's me against the world now. Oh, Minority Troubleization makes you do two things, two things only. One, make sure you leave a review, tell a friend, tell a friend. And two, make sure you change in the freaking culture. Good night.